0: Thank you, mate. We're going to have a look at that passage together and uh, <clears throat> a couple of other passages that are in the book of 1 Peter. And uh, so if you've got your Bible there as well, uh, please keep it open. We're going to have a look at those uh, this morning. Well, I've spent uh, some of the last week as I've met with people asking them, uh, how's, how's your week been? But I've been asking them to do it in a slightly different way and I want you to do the same thing for me this morning as well, uh, not many of us are uh, the sort of English buffs. Some of you are the old grammar, uh, grammar police. I know that. That's how it works sometimes. Uh, but uh, if you're not, that's okay. Uh, I'm going to give you a bit of help. Adjectives. Remember those, describing words. Okay, you're going to come up with three of them to describe your week. How has your week been? Three, not not long sentences. Three describing words. Now, I want you to share that if you can, not with uh, someone that you came with that's a loved one, okay? They probably know how your week's been uh, or might argue the point, that might be bad too. I want you instead to turn to someone that perhaps uh, isn't living in the same household as you and share those three words with them, all right? Go for it, let's do that. Three describing words about your week. got 90 seconds. Okay, let's uh, draw it back together. Let's, uh, let's bring it back together. I'm not sure what you said. I'm not going to ask you to, to share it with absolutely everyone, but I, I hope there were some good words going around. I'll, I'll tell you, for me, there were probably three, three words. They fit in for all sorts of different reasons. Uh, one is probably intensity. One is emotional. The other one is people. Now, I know people's not really an adjective, but I made the rules so I can break them if I want. Uh, but people thought That's not a word, is it? Is it? Yeah. It is now. I'm happy with that. It is now. Let's make it a word. That's fine. Oh For me, it was ups and downs. There was lots of great things that happened in my week, actually, this week. Lots of great things with different people, but lots of, lots of sad things too. Uh, funerals and other things as well. Lots of ups and bigs up, big, ups and big downs for me this week. It wasn't very steady. I wonder what your week was. was like, how you would describe it. As we mentioned at Kickoff Sunday, for the most part, the waking hours of your uh, week were 112. That's if you got all the sleep that you wanted. But 3% of that time was spent with God's people in church services and small groups, maybe evangelism training, something like that. Only 3% of your waking hours with God's people. And 97% of your waking hours were spent away from God's people, scattered in The world. And so I think it's probably fair to say that the 97% of your time dominated what your three words were about. As you took those 112 waking hours into consideration, those words would have been the ones that impacted the 97% the most. Now, whatever it is that you said this week that has dominated your week. There is one word that defines what the Christian life in 100% of your life should look like. And that is the word growth. As Christians, we're all different people, different backgrounds, different personalities, different ways of life. We see things in different ways. But one thing that ought to describe 100% of our Christian life is growth. We see this in various parables that Jesus tells, don't we? As Jesus tells various different parables, we see this idea of growth, this image of the land coming out and showing us that actually to belong to Jesus is to be a person of growth. This morning, what I want us to do is to continue our Compelled with Christ series by looking at compelling growth, to see what it is that we must do To grow, to be the people that God wants us to be, no matter what our week's been like, no matter what our age is, no matter what our stage of life is, that we might do as God desires for us, to grow as his people, whatever we are like. So I'm going to pray for us. Don't forget Slido is the place to ask a question and I'll answer a few after the service as well. Let me pray and we'll dive into 2 Peter chapter 1. Heavenly Father, be with us this morning. Help us, we ask, to see... Uh, what you have done to help us grow. Uh, Please help us, we ask, to understand this passage and to go from here, Uh, compelled by Christ to grow in our Christian life. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God compels you and I, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, to grow. Now we might say, well, this sounds like it's going to take a lot of effort on our part and we'll get to that in a moment but what we need to say in the first place is that God has given us all the tools we need for growth. When we look at our own lives and we see our Christian growth, we cannot say anything other than God has grown us in our faith. He has given us everything we need. He has given us all the tools we need to grow. Look at chapter 1 of 2 Peter, verse 3. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. The great news of this verse is that God is a giver. God is a giver. We know this throughout the scriptures, don't we? God gives so freely to us in so many different ways. But here we find that God does not give us everything, but he gives us everything we need. And he gives us everything we need for life and godliness. The life that's spoken about here is not necessarily the physical life we live in this world. It's not as if God is going to give us every single thing we want in this life. But he has given us everything we need for the life to come. He's given us the Lord Jesus. He's given us his death on the cross. He's rising to new life. He's given us everything we need for life. But he's also given us everything we need for godliness. The, the time that we have before we reach that eternal life with Jesus forever. That, that portion of life that's about growth. He's given us everything we need to increase in our likeness of the image of Christ. This has been gifted to us. God has given us everything we need by his divine power. He has granted it to us. And it comes through the knowledge of him. Did you notice there in verse three? He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of. Of Him. The way you and I will grow in our Christian life is through knowing Him who saved us, who set us apart, who made us His own. Christian growth begins and ends with knowing Him, knowing His qualities, knowing His characteristics, knowing His heart, knowing His acts. Of giving towards us in so many different ways. This is where growth begins and ends with the knowledge of Him. We saw two weeks ago at Kickoff Sunday that we are to be compelled by Christ to act in this world, compelled by Christ. We might say, I desire to grow in my Christian life, but I don't know where to start. This passage says, you've been given all the tools you need in the knowledge of Christ. And so we always come back to him, to know him, to love him, to study him. This might seem like the same thing we mentioned week after week, but we cannot go past what God has told us. When we understand him, When we know his qualities, his character, his heart, how he acts towards us, we cannot help but grow in our Christian faith. If you want to grow in your Christian life, you need to find a place and a way to sit under God's word and to understand more about him, more about what he's done, more about what he will do, more about his qualities and his character. He has given us all we need for life and godliness. These are the tools that he's given to us. But secondly, this morning, this passage asks us to take those tools and to use them. To take those tools and to put them into practice. Look at verse 5. For this reason, make every effort to supplement to your faith, uh, supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, And godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. We have been gifted by God all the tools that we need to grow in our faith. That is the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we must use them. We must take in what we have heard and compelled by Christ. We must act. Make every effort, this passage says. Make every effort to... Supplement to your faith these various different qualities. Now it's not as if this is the only list of qualities that we could be aiming at. But it's an important list that Paul, uh, that Peter puts together. Peter puts together this list that starts with faith and ends with love. And everything in between it is an outworking of those two things. An outworking of what Christ himself was like. We can look through the list, can't we? And we can see what Jesus was like. He was one who trusted his heavenly father in faith more than any of us ever will. He had great virtue or excellence as uh, another way of translating it says. Jesus had all knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection and love. These are the qualities of Jesus Christ Himself. And, and so when we see these qualities in God, in the Lord Jesus Christ, then we will find that we will expand these qualities in our own life as well. As we know more about God, His qualities, and His character, we will be able to take those qualities and character and apply them to our own lives. To say, I want to grow in godliness, in God likeness. I wonder. If you are a follower of Jesus, can you look back over six months and see how you have grown? See how you have grown in godliness through the knowledge of God? Or maybe as you look back over a year and you can see how you've grown, or three years, or five years. It's interesting, isn't it? That as we look at ourselves in the mirror, it is hard to notice the changes in our own selves. Take, for example, those people that we live with. Those people that we live with can sometimes come home, can't they, with a haircut. Have you ever had someone come home with a haircut and not noticed it? That's what happens when you live closely, isn't it? When you live closely together and they go away and they come back and they get a haircut and you don't notice it and maybe you get into trouble. Has that ever happened? It's never happened. Look, you're all sheepish about that. It's never happened. Of course it's never happened. When we're close... Either looking at ourselves in the mirror or looking at those close loved ones that we know it's hard day to day to see the changes in our physical appearance. But as we look back over time and we look at those photos in the photo albums, if we've still got them or on the hard drive at home, then we can see those changes. Over six months, a year, three years, five years. And we can certainly see it with children. And as God's children, we can see those changes in the lives of others sometimes more clearly than those in ourselves. We can see the changes in faith, in virtue, in knowledge, in self-control, in steadfastness, in godliness, in brotherly affection and in love. And we are to see these things. Look at verse 8. For if these qualities are are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. These things ought to be seen in our lives. These things ought to be seen as changes, as growth, as moving forward in our Christian life and it matters not how old you are I mentioned uh, earlier that I'd uh, taken a a funeral for a dear friend this week who was 94 years of age and at 94 years of age this man was still growing in his knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ leading to godliness in his life no doubt now, nothing else in his life was growing. Everything was going in the opposite direction at 94 years of age. His body was shutting down. But his Christian growth was continuing. Continuing to increase, as verse 8 tells us. And he was not ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we must be like. No matter what our situation of life is, no matter our age, we must continue to grow In our Christian life, through the knowledge of God that leads to godliness. And yet, this passage tells us that this will include some sacrifice, some effort, some investment, some thinking, some planning. As it says in verse 5, make every effort to supplement to your faith, virtue and so on. We are compelled by Christ to watch what he is like so that we ourselves might change and grow in Christ. Can you say you are growing in your faith? It is common, isn't it, for people to come to faith, perhaps in a younger part of their life, and to grow furiously in the early part of their Christian life. And then it's possible for us to to, to get to uh, the Uluru problem where you just go plateauing for a time. But this passage won't let us plateau. It says make every effort, no matter your situation, to seek the knowledge of God that leads to godliness more and more as time goes on, so that the people around you, no matter who they are, can say, I can see the work of God in your life, compelling you to change and to grow. Well, as we grow, the world around us might start to notice this growth, and the world around us might react in various ways to the growth that we are going through. As we change to become more like Jesus Christ, in all of our characteristics, as we change little bit by little bit, uh, oftentimes uh, we think to ourselves, if I become more like Christ, uh, then the world will be more attracted to that way of life. Uh, The world will be more willing to hear about Jesus because they see an, an attractive life in me. But think of this. Jesus lived these qualities out perfectly. Some people liked him. Lots of people hated him. He went to the cross because people didn't like him that much. Jesus was the most godly person that ever lived and yet he was hated by the people around him. This growth might be difficult for us in the communities that God has placed us. Come with me back to the book of 1 Peter the book of 1 Peter speaks about this on numerous occasions and tells us to keep going to keep going in growing with Christ look at chapter 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 13 now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake you will be blessed Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. But do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. And come with me just one page over to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 3. Talking about the change that happens in the Christian life as they grow. And outsiders looking on, chapter 4 verse 3 says this. The time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties and lawless idolatry. With respect to this they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. Jesus was the most godly person that ever lived. He was attractive to some and repulsive to others. As we grow in the Christian life more and more like Christ, we will find that we will get both questions about our faith, as chapter 3 verse 15 says in the book of 1 Peter, but people will also malign us. People will also malign us. They will not necessarily find the compelling growth of God in our lives to be compelling themselves. But nevertheless, we must press on. We must press on because it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than doing evil. As the uh, the book of Corinthians tells us, we are the aroma of Christ in the world. To some, this is a pleasing aroma of life, and to some, a horrid aroma of death. I've been watching the cricket just recently. Over in India and what I keep hearing about the nation of India, if any of you have been there, I haven't been there, but it's an assault on the senses, they say and there's smells everywhere and all these different smells, some lovely, some horrible, disgusting things right next to beautiful things. And this is what it's like for the Christian to walk through the world. As we change and become more like Christ, some will see that as the aroma of Christ pleasing and asking questions, why is life like that? And others will be repulsed by it, but we must continue to walk the path of growth that God has called us to, using the tools that he has given us in the knowledge of Christ. Well then, finally, let's bring this down to ground. How how are we going to go on growing In the week ahead, in the month ahead, in the year ahead. Well, as we bring this down to ground, I want us to consider how we might grow during the 3% of the time that we spend with other brothers and sisters. And then in the 97% of the time where we scatter out into the world in our 112 waking hours and what we do with that. So let's start with the 3%. How can we bring ourselves to grow when we gather together as God's people? Well, we gather together as God's people in this context and through the week in our small groups, we gather together to hear the word of God. Not just because it fills our brains, but because the knowledge of God is the knowledge that leads to godliness, that leads to a changed life. God has put us together in order that we might grow each other in order that we might see the growth that God is doing within us and notice it, that we might praise God as we see it. But he has also drawn us together so that we might care for each other and when we see the lack of growth in each other's lives, we can gently say to each other, brother, sister, let me encourage you to hear God's word with me, to take them to God's word and not to be hardened by it. It's true, isn't it? Very few Christian people in my experience wake up one morning and decide to be an atheist. It doesn't happen. But it does happen over time. It does happen over time as the deceitfulness of sin comes in. As the deceitfulness of sin comes in and hardens the heart. And you know what happens? It almost always happens as people drift from God's people. Almost every time. Now, why is that? Is it about the people themselves? No, but as we gather, we do something very important. We gather around God's word. We encourage one another. We sharpen one another. We equip one another. We encourage and and, and strengthen one another, and challenge one another to grow in Christ. To take what God is saying seriously and to put it into practice. When we gather gather together as our three percent of our week. It is a very important task for us to help each other to grow in Christ. And I know so many of us do this together and it's a wonderful joy. But if you're in danger of throwing out the community of God's people, be careful that you do not drift away from the growth that is offered when we gather together. We gather together to hear God's word, to hear the knowledge of him, and to be changed into the image of Christ. Well, what about the other 97% of the time that we spend scattered in the world? Well, the book of 1 Peter helps us in this area as well. It gives us a guide about what Christian living and Christian growth looks like in the world around us. Come back with me in the book of 1 Peter to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. But you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. As we go out scattered into the world, our goal is the same as, as we gather here each and every Sunday and in our small groups, to grow in Christ. But it can be hard, can't it? All of the different aspects of our life flood in upon us. We've got to take care of all of the business of life. It can overwhelm us and take over us, but our goal still has to be growth, Christian growth. That's what God has called us to. And this verse reminds us that one of the keys to Christian growth is that we have been called to declare the excellencies of Christ. This does not mean just evangelism, although it does include that. It just means speaking well of God. We go into this world ready to speak well of God wherever it is that we go. Not to leave God out for the 97% and bring him in for the 3%, but to live with his excellencies in our heart everywhere we go. We speak of his qualities. We speak of his character. We speak of his heart towards us. As you go into this week scattered into the world, will you use your language to speak well of God in the world in your household? In your job, in your family, in your life. Uh, secondly, one Peter chapter two, verse eighteen. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the just. Uh, but also to the unjust. Now, at first glance, this uh, section is about servants. And, masters. and while we're not in exactly the same boat, there is a, a respect that is there between those who work and those whom they work for, your bosses or those who are over the top of you. And what does this verse tell us to do? Well, it tells us to live rightly, to live with respect for those who are over us. Why? Because God himself, God himself, is our authority. Look at what it goes on to say, verse 19. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. What credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if you do good and suffer for it, you en- and you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow In his steps. As we go into our week and we go to work for whomever the authority is over us, we have an opportunity to put into practice the very act of Christ himself, the very act of submission that Christ himself went through, enduring if it may be, working hard if the case may be, as an act of our Christian growth in the world in which we live. Thirdly and finally, we see what it's like in our homes. Chapter 3, 1 Peter, verse 1 and 2. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some of them do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. And then down to verse 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honour to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you. Of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. These verses speak to us about what life at, ho- at home might look like, and they are growth oriented as well. You'll notice that verses 1 and 2 are about a, a Christian and non Christian relationship. And the relationship is such that the, the living of the Christian person might be to show off Christ to those who are not believers. And for the husband, who is a believer in verse 7, uh, they are to be people of prayer. People of prayer in their household for the sake of the glory of God. So how do we grow in the 97%? Well, we speak well of God in all of our life. We live for growth in our workplace and we live for growth in our, in our uh, homes as well, in our marriages and with our families. What should define our Christian life? Well, what should define our Christian life is growth 100% of the time. And the good news? God's growth in us is compelling. Philippians 1 verse 6 tells us that he who began a good work in us will see it to completion on the day of Christ. So make every effort to use the tools of growth that God has given to you in all areas of life. We're going to have a a break for some questions. So I'm going to uh, uh, stop for a couple of minutes. You can ask a question, slido.com, hashtag is i I'll come back and answer a couple in a minute or two, and then we'll sing our final song. to a couple of uh, couple of questions here. Uh, Ella's asked one first up. It can be hard and discouraging when it seems we aren't growing or when our sin is perpetual. What can we do to see godly change when it isn't clear for us? Um, I think that's exactly why other people are incredibly important to us and usually not the closest people to us because they see all of our faults but they also see just the normal stuff that's, that's normal in our lives. So I, I think it's uh, the nature of encouragement is what we're talking about here. I, uh, I think encouragement is a, a slightly uh, uh, mis... mis uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, like a, it's not well-defined as a word. Um, encouragement is not just saying something nice about somebody, although that's always good. But I think Christian encouragement is something different. Christian encouragement is that thing of saying, I can see God at work in your life. Here's the way that happens. And I, I think we all need to grow at that, don't we? Um, uh, I certainly need to grow at that. I, I just think we're Australians, so we don't do that very well. We just go, everybody else sucks because they're terrible. Like, and we'll point the things out. Like they, we do that fun, in a fun way, you know. We do that in, uh, in, in pulling others down. And that's what we do for fun. But I think we need to work on that encouragement factor. And and, uh, other people can see how God is at work in your life better than you can see it yourself, oftentimes. And so I think that's really important. So um, things like your small group and people being able to do that, if you've got the time to be able to say, uh, brother, sister, have you seen seen God at work in my life? That's a good question to ask. And they'll probably say yes, and, and, uh, and hopefully they can articulate why that's the case as well. Uh, because you're right, the sinfulness can sometimes be right in front of us. That thing that we're working on is so hard. So I would, I would encourage you um, to use biblical I- encouragement the way that's, uh, that's supposed to be. Uh, Mike has just made a comment here. It's, it's, a, it's a good one. I like the idea that we should speak well of God. Very helpful. I think uh, we would do well to think of evangelism as an overflow of speaking well of God. It's actually. so we think of evangelism as a task that we've got to complete over here that we've got to fix and finish uh, we'd be better off thinking of speaking well of God in all of life uh, and watching the impact that that has on all people whether they're Christians or non-Christians uh, so we could uh, do well to speak of God well even after our service today also we're going to do that now we're going to sing uh, which is speaking well of God in a, in a different way proclaim the excellencies of him we're going to do that in the song this